0: You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Joining me today is Chris Wright. He's the CTO at Red Hat. And we're going to be talking about an interesting topic with everybody just uh, going nuts over AI. Uh, We're going to look at the uh, aspect of using code to train AI and making sure that that code uh, can be used, uh, especially open source code, uh, by the people who are creating it, and whether it's a licensing issue or if they just choose not to allow people to use it. So, uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. Glad to have a conversation with you. Yeah, I think it's an important one. Uh, everybody's worried about uh, the data privacy of of training models, and now, of course, we have the, the edit issue of... Uh, using code to train the model that may or may not be um, what the people who created the open source code wanted. So what does that look like from your perspective? Boy, it's
1: a big, multifaceted problem domain. Um, But we'll start with just the basics. How how does it work? So you take, um, you you, you develop some code, you put it into under an open source license and put it into uh, a place where it's publicly accessible. Um, And then you've got on the other side of the equation, uh, folks that are looking to build a knowledge base out of scanning a bunch of code and turning that into a machine learning model that can then give you guidance in your development tasks. You know, you you train it on a code a set of uh, a code base, and you try to get a machine learning model that will be a assistant in your development activities. And the question that pops up is what is the license that that code was written under when it was incorporated into the machine learning model? And and even if it was written in a license that's reasonably permissive, um, did the person who wrote the code actually want their code to be used that way? Um, And so, like I said, it's a whole set of of open questions. Um, And then you, you could take this one step further and say, as an open source project, when code has been generated by a machine learning model, are you going to accept that code? Um, so a whole set of different questions. I think we'll focus primarily on that first topic first of what does it mean to write code um, and allow that code to be used in developing a machine learning model that will help developers um, write code in that same con- context or language or or platform or whatever the, the case may be.
0: Right. So uh, have you folks seen that already that there's been some pushback by uh, open source uh, software creators to say, Hey, you know, we don't want this used. Uh, Have you seen that in your experience? Uh, Yeah, we have. People
1: have a whole host of reasons why they contribute their code to open source communities and then associated um, licenses that can have subtle differences. Um, I'm not a, a lawyer so i won't be able to go through the details of all the different subtleties of all the different open source or open source ish license licenses um but there can be some license restrictions imposed you know intentionally by the developer when they chose a license and then there's more uh that philosophical question And some developers are very uncomfortable with their code being used to build machine learning models uh without getting um any sort of clear acknowledgment that their code was used in, in part of that process, or maybe they're just not interested in being a part of um, the, the development of machine learning models that are used, possibly not in an open source context. So it sort of takes away from the, the, the ideas that they had or the ideals that they had when they were developing and, and, and donating their work into, uh, you know, the broad community. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm sure there's probably also an issue with a lot of the licenses that require uh, that if you use the open source, whatever you use it with, has to also be turned back into the community. And maybe there's not yet the confidence that what code is, you know, created with an AI assistant, you know, might not be something that is trustworthy enough to be put back into the project.
1: It's a really great point, uh, and in fact, one of the things that we've worked on uh, as we've built this machine learning model, and this was done together. Um, with an important partner. Uh, In this case, we were partnering with IBM who has a a large language model that we're using as the foundation model and then fine tuning with a set of specific, uh, a specific code base to focus in on a specific development area. Um, But understanding where a recommendation is coming from is a pretty important part of creating trust in the entire process uh, and being able to back correlate a recommendation to the code base that, it, that was used to, to make that recommendation might identify, hey, David is a well-known, great author of, uh, of Ansible playbooks, and as a result, the recommendation that's coming from uh, playbooks written by David is something we're going to really feel more confident about than is this a hallucination built by uh, a random LLM giving you arbitrary advice.
0: Right, right. So, uh, uh, I understand that uh, what you guys do at Red Hat is to reach out to these open source developers and and have these discussions with them about whether or not this uh, code should be used. And uh, so so how has that worked out? and is that something that other organizations could uh, pick up on? Yeah. So what we did was, first of all, we we wanted to be very
1: clear you know, open, transparent, public about what our plans were. Uh, So we shared with the community our plans to leverage. uh, This is in the Ansible community, and there's a large collection of playbooks uh, written in um, Ansible YAML uh, that are available broadly. It's uh, generally referred to as the Galaxy. And uh, we wanted to let uh, contributors know that the code in the Galaxy would be um, used to build a machine learning model. And then we gave... um, all contributors um, uh, a mechanism for opting out of that if they chose to not have their their code developed uh, code used as part of developing a machine learning model, um, and you know not everybody pays attention all the time so if they discover at some point later in time we can always remove their code from our, our curated corpus. Uh, so the main goal here was hey this is something that we can do together with a community um, and and make sure the community is aware that their code's being used in this way so it's not a surprise. Uh, and you know, if if for some reason you're not comfortable with that, feel free to opt out.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is this something that that could have been a thought of as uh, you know AI was evolving and people were creating these models, or is this just one of those things that kind of comes up as you try to advance technology? And and there are you know obviously certain things that people didn't consider or think of. You know, as as uh, progress is made, is is this kind of one of those? Uh, type of things where oh gee we didn't we didn't think about that originally but gee this is something we need to look at. I do think it's more
1: that than I mean could we have had foresight? Sure, although that would have been pretty um, to me pretty amazing foresight. <laughs> really, um, get, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So we have the we have the um, the luxury of sitting here looking backwards and saying actually this is a really important topic. And if you think about how developers work, um, there's it's pretty common to look at code to give you advice on how to write code that you're writing. So right. whether it's something like Stack Overflow where you're literally cutting and pasting from an example that somebody else put, posted, uh, or whether you're looking into an open source project, um, looking at how code's written in that project and at least using the same ideas, if not you know, cutting and pasting, if the license allows, um, into your code base, this isn't necessarily new, so maybe we could have been really clever and thought about this ahead of time. but when when we're doing this um, very systematically building machine learning models, it it really becomes a uh, a question that we need to have a clear answer to. Mm-hmm. Is this code um, was the machine learning model built from code that is okay to use in development of this machine learning model? Uh, so we took a proactive stance on this one in the Ansible community and we think this is a great um, model that other communities could follow, which is it's not only the license, but it's also um, an acknowledgement that your code will be used in a number of different ways. One of which could be used to train a machine learning model.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I know you touched on the uh, the, the point of uh, trust uh, a little earlier on. So how I guess using these these types of techniques to uh, be open and transparent are. are part of the deal in in creating that trust and, and making sure that people can use these projects or not use them as the case may be with with complete understanding of what the ramifications are?
1: They're there really two separate issues. So the first one is just, can I use this as part of a corpus um, when training a machine learning model? Right. The second is more detailed about the technologies used in building the machine learning model. And do you have the ability to do this um, correlation of, I'm about to generate some output. Um, can I give you, it's typically not a 100% guarantee, but it's a statistically high probability that what I'm giving you was derived from what I learned over here in this code base. Um, and that's what we're doing in in, in the Ansible context. It's that propagation back to understanding where the code came from and it's part of a a broader transparency effort to make sure you have visibility into why how machine learning models are making certain types of decisions or recommendations Uh, and i think the value there is um, as i described if you're if you're in an organization and you have trained a machine learning model maybe even just on your own code base uh, if you if you see a recommendation and it's coming from a well-known source within your organization, you'll just have more confidence that it's a gr- a good recommendation than if it's coming from a less well-known source or it's not even clear where that recommendation is coming from. So I think it's part of building confidence that the output that you're getting generated from the generative uh, AI tool is um, credible and trustworthy. Uh, you know, there's a whole a whole deep topic on on trust and AI, but I'd say this is scratching the surface, and it's an important aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Now, uh, you know, we're talking about using uh, AI to help create uh, infrastructure code, you know, with, with Ansible. Uh, we're also looking at AI being used uh, by developers to uh, spin up the environments that they need, whether it's a pre-production test, what have you. How is all of this complexity being handled by organizations or is it still early on and they're still trying to figure all that out or, or where, where do they seem to be with that? Well, they're all
1: over the the map. So, you know, as is normal with large enterprises and technology, there will be some who are really far ahead, early adopters, there will be some that are just waiting for all the sharp edges to be rounded and smooth. Uh, so it's a whole spectrum. When you look at the earlier adopters, the, um, First of all, an enterprise is increasingly complicated. Um, the internals, the infrastructure needed to run an application, uh, it, it just gets more and more complicated. And so automation is an acknowledged tool for helping, I'll say, tame that complexity. Um, then the question is, well, how efficient can you be, how productive can you be in building that automation? And that's where I glibly say, well, we're, we're, we're automating your automation. We're, we're trying to help you build those automation scripts through essentially a, a code assistant that's trained domain specific in Ansible YAML, which gives it mm-hmm. a um, a higher degree of accuracy because uh, it, it really understands the the language. And there, in the early adopters, we're seeing eighty to ninety percent acceptance rates of the recommendations given by the by the machine learning model. So, pretty pretty awesome level of. Acknowledgement that this was helpful. This, I, you know, I asked it to do a task. It gave me a recommendation. I incorporated that into my workflow. Turned that into a commit, not just code sitting in my own development environment, but a commit that I push into uh, the main the main line for our internal automation tools. And now it's part of our uh, what others can use internally.
0: Interesting stuff. All right, Chris Wright, CTO of uh, Red Hat. Thanks so much for uh, being on the uh, show today. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you. Nice to be here until next time. So long for now.